Welcome back to another season of Below the Fold, where gurus are gone, content is king, and where the macro conversions have taken the place of the Facebook likes as the marketing metric of choice. My name is Jacob Perry. I'm joined today by Brandon Hassler, John Hammond, and Paxton Gray. Let me introduce you to this episode's sponsor. It's 97th Floor an award-winning Moz-recommended digital marketing agency located in Lehigh, Utah, and Orange County, California. They're known for driving bottom-line value results for clients like Pluralsight, Dell, and Salesforce. Visit 97thfloor.com to learn more. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how's it going? Fantastic. John? Heyo. Woo! Paxton? What's up, my man? What's up, my man? Hey, we want to do something super fun for a season opener. I've got a quick pull. I've got one question for you guys. Does your family know what you do for a living? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah? So if we called Bridget right now and said, hey, what? what? you call her and you say, hey, Bridget, uh, you're on the air. Oh. Can you tell everybody what I do for a living? She oh, could I love answer. this. She would say, that is all I hear about all day long. So, so <laughs> she could. She could say easily, you are in charge of uh, ad copy for billboards and for, uh, I, I don't know what you do. So she probably knows better than I do. What? Uh, so you're saying she could answer it. John, does your, wife, does your wife know what you do for a living? A very top level view. She'd probably say something like, I do stuff for Google. You do stuff for Google? Yep. <laughs> okay. And Pax, what about your wife? Uh, probably similar. Um, well, I don't do uh, a lot of the technical stuff anymore. And I think uh, back then she would have said, like, I, I work with websites. Uh, I don't talk a lot. But she knows a lot of, like, the uh, business stuff that goes on, which is what I do more these days. What, what, about, what about, like, your mom and dad and siblings? Oh, no way. Nope. Like, not even I don't close. Think they have uh, any idea what I do. No idea. My grandmother-in-law, if that's a title, has uh, once said that I uh, do drawings on, <laughs> like, Pinterest Wait, and your, social your, media. Your grandma said that? My grandmother-in-law. <laughs> so, my wife's... Your wife's grandma. Uh, my wife's grandma. I love that she thinks you just sit there and doodle and then put <laughs> your art on Pinterest like, and that's your job. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, isn't that something Brandon does? Like, doesn't he, like, make drawings for... Like that Pinterest, <laughs> and what, what, yeah. is she, what does she mean by drawings? I don't know. She's like almost ninety years Spaghetti old, art. so could be could mean a number of things. That is literally one uh, of the funniest things I've ever so heard. So good. <laughs> okay, so I feel like we should like my mom. Though I don't know uh, if she knows this. exactly your mom. Yeah, uh, she would wanna... say marketing, but if you were to say like what's his day to day, I feel like we should call okay someone and right. do this. Who can? Who do you want to call, Paxton? Ooh. I'd like to hear from Jacob's four-year-old daughter. Yeah, that's you, the true test. You want to know what what Macy has to say? All right, let's call her real quick. You guys think of who you can call, and we'll we'll have a little bit of fun with this. All right. Okay, so I'm going to call my four-year-old. She's turning. She's almost five. I don't want to deceive anybody into thinking that she's younger than she actually is. Here we go. Oh, hi, Macy. How are you? Good. That's good. Hey, 
Do you know what I do for a living? Looking at the computer and watching videos and looking at Facebook. <laughs> do you know what I do for work? Do you know what it's called? Digital marketing. Digital marketing? That's right. And you and you, and you said that I just look at computers all day and Facebook and videos. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. I love you, sweetie. Love you. Okay, bye bye. There you go. Sounds like an easy. That was job. awesome. Nice. Yeah. All right. Who are we calling? John, you got someone? I've got my wife, Elise. Okay. Same oh name. yeah. Yeah. We'll see what she says. She yeah, that's fun. No idea. Oh, I love this. This is so fun. Hey, John. Yeah, how are you? Good. You're on speaker. You're you're on speakerphone, by the way. You're on you're on speakerphone, and you're actually on the show right now. Uh, okay, I'll talk to you later. What? No, I've got one question for you. Okay. What do I do for a living? You do online digital marketing. Nice. And what does that actually mean? Like, what's my day to day job? Um, well, you do lots of things. It's just, like, you help the online presence for different companies. So if they search for a company on Google, it'll show up quicker. That there'll be, like, links in different articles. That's just pretty, pretty good. much, like, amping up a company's presence. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice. Babe, you just nailed it. Thanks. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. Love you. Uh, all right. Hey, man, that was that, good. That was pretty. That was good. All right, Brandon. Impressive. I, I want to hear. I want to hear. I married oh, up. My. Let's see if she answers. You got that? Does the pixel let you uh, go to speakerphone? Mm-mm. You have to pay extra for that. <laughs> all right. Here there we go. go. The heck? What just happened? Failed call. Oh, the bumped it. What is this? Project Fi. <laughs> Hello? Hey, I don't, I'm at my mom's school. I don't have service in here. Oh, well, uh, quick question for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've got you on speaker, and you are on below the fold. And oh. my question for you is, what do I do as my job? We, we want details, Bridget. <laughs> we want you to tell us... What, has, what do you do as your job? Yeah. What is my job and like what does that entail? What Obviously it's marketing, like? but like what's my day to day? Uh you're a marketing director, right? And yes. What <laughs> what does that entail? You do marketing for the mountain. So you social post. You basically make people aware of Dev Mountain. Sure. Right. Yeah, no, that's that's a yeah, that's exactly what he does. Any other details you'd like to add? Do you know what his latest uh, do you know what his latest billboard uh said? She hasn't heard about that. The latest the latest billboard? Yeah, do you know that he's over billboards? I know that one that said get skills pay bills. Oh, get skills, pay bills. Hey, it's, there we go. Yeah, that's pretty good. How about one about uh, a father-in-law? A father-in-law? Oh, you haven't heard that one yet? No. There's a fun story for you tonight. One. Yeah, I'll tell you all about it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay. Thanks, Bridget. <laughs> Any more brain busters? <laughs> I think that's everything. That's hilarious. Okay. All right. Well, good luck at school. I'll talk to you. All right. We'll see you. Bye. <laughs> that was awesome. I think I have a lease ready. Oh, yeah? All right. Yeah. Here we go. Hi. So you are on speakerphone. Hi, Elise. Oh, hello. This is Jacob. Uh, and Hi. you are on the show. Welcome. Oh, okay. How's it going? Good, how are you? Good. Uh, so I just want to ask you one question, um, and that is if you can tell me what I do for work. Title is Vice President of Operations for a digital marketing company. Uh-huh. So you are in charge of anything that falls under like marketing services that you provide people. And so you're in charge of all the different teams that uh yeah, you cut up you're cutting up, but I think that was correct. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that was accurate. It was sufficient. I'm I'm pretty impressed by everyone's wives. All right, thanks, sweetheart. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye. I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, not many people would get that. Although I think there's probably a lot of details that are left out, right? I think you also go one layer past spouse and it all drops off. Yeah, I yeah. think you're right. Totally. The thing I hate about saying that I am in marketing is <clears throat> where I live, a lot of people work in the MLM uh, industry. Yes. So yeah, when I yes. say that I'm in marketing, they're like, oh, yes, uh, so-and-so uh, does that as well. And it's like multi-level yeah. marketing. It's like, oh, yeah. no. My sister does LuLaRoe. So it's like yeah. I wish there was a way that you oh, could so, like so, quickly separate yourselves from network marketers. I don't. I never run into that. I, it, I, I think only be, it's, I only run into it in my area because there's a lot of people who are in that. So, and so you know, I had that even worse. My previous employer, Better Body Foods, I would say I'm a marketer for a health foods company in Utah. And it was just guaranteed, oh, so how many people do you have below you? That is <laughs> young living. <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, yeah, that, that, I, that does. I like that. That's funny. <laughs> okay, so uh, maybe we'll do, we'll do some of that more often, getting, getting people involved. I like that. Okay, so Brandon, what are we talking about in this episode? Jacob, we have got ourselves a delicious season opener here. Let me tell you about some of the stuff we're talking about. We may or may not talk about the four-letter code to selling just about anything. Some interesting insights that John brought to my attention during the week. Okay. We've also got the paradigm shift in social media. And last but not least, we're talking Mickey Mouse and Disney. Disney. That's awesome. So I'll let John, a lot of this uh, credit to John bringing some of these uh, topics up, but I'll let him start where he desires, but that's some of the stuff I've got in the docket for today. Okay, so John, you brought up the four-letter code. What does that mean? Cool is the word. Cool is the code? And is the word as well. Code and the word. I do not understand this at all. The four-letter code? It's an acronym. C-O-D-E. Okay. Sorry. C O O L. So what? What? So which one's the acronym? Cool or code? Cool. Cool. What? What is the? What does it stand for? Is it actually an acronym? I think it is. is okay. it? I thought the message was if you want the to sell something, make it cool. The acronym is actually Maya, 
in the article. So that's the four-letter that? Yeah, code. that's the, that's the, the code. The four-letter code is not cool. It is Maya. Yes. How do you spell Maya? It was M-A-Y-A. last week. It was cool. Y-A. And what's, what does that stand for? Most advanced yet acceptable. Most advanced yet acceptable. So give us some examples. Or give us some context. Okay. So guy, early 1900s, by the name of Raymond Lowry. Raymond Lowry. Came over to the United States. He was a designer. He started a firm. He helped design things like the Greyhound logo, Air Force One, the single steel-plated train, and... He came up with this theory. So, real quick, just to clarify, he's not designing the actual crafts. He's no. designing the paint job. Yeah, paint no, job. No, 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 Well, the, not the, the train. train. He actually, like, so what so we know Air is Force the One. bullet train from, like, that cool, shiny, metal, uh, sleek design yeah. from the 50s or whatever. Sure. So, he, he was responsible for transforming from the old-timey train to that new bullet sleek style So, train. going from, like, what you imagine the wild, wild west yes. with the, the steam, uh-huh. the steampunk kind yeah. of thing. Think to the Disneyland, you got Thunder, Big Thunder, the old train. Like Thunder Mountain? Yeah, yeah. Thunder okay. Mountain, and then going to Space Mountain, the evolution there. Okay. I'm sure that will resonate with some people. Or yeah. the monorail. <laughs> like, there you go. Yeah. Okay, but on Air Force One, it was not the Boeing. It wasn't the, yeah, it, it wasn't was the plane. The, it the was pl- the blue the job. Yeah. yeah. Okay, keep going. And so he developed this thing called Maya, meaning most advanced yet acceptable. That is the code. And what that is is pretty much it's anytime you do something, whether it's a product, a design, a concept, song, music, whatever, it's new but familiar. So... You take something that is familiar to audiences so that they can um, be aware of it and also connect with it because, yeah, I've seen this before, but they also take it one step further and evolve it and make it a little bit new, but not too crazy because then they won't be able to connect to it. So a good example of this was Spotify actually created this playlist that everyone could use called Discover Weekly. Well, when they created the uh, software and the algorithm for it, there's a bug in it which originally Discover Weekly was supposed to just send you 20 new songs that you had never heard of, but this bug was allowing previously listened to songs into the Discovery Weekly playlist. And so when they fixed the bug, it was all new songs. And the drop-off, the engagement level of Discover Weekly plummeted. And so they found out that keeping a little bit of the familiar was um, actually the best way to keep users and people in general engaged. Hmm. So that ties into Maya because it's the most advanced yet acceptable. Mm-hmm. Make that connection for me. So the acceptable in this case was the songs they had already listened to. They accepted those songs. Okay. They liked them. And then the advance is the new stuff that mixes in and relates to that acceptable. Okay. I think uh, the article talks about a, a good example of the train. Mm-hmm. So. He came in and initially just gave them the design for the new, modern, cool, sleek train, and they all hated it. And so what he did is he just broke down his design into stages, and you say, okay, well, would you guys be okay if we at least change the color just to a lighter silver? And they're like, yeah, that would be okay. He's like, okay, what about if we just, instead of having all these blocks or whatever, it's more of like a sleek panel? Like, yeah, yeah, that, that you know that would be that would work. He's like, okay, so sleek panel. Are, are there is there a bunch of time between this? So they did switch. The, you know, I don't think so. I think yeah. it's a short period of time. Like he just got them to accept a little bit and a little bit until eventually, like, okay, you know, then what you proposed isn't 
it's as crazy sounding. Um, and so I think that's the principle is you can't, even if what you're proposing is the best solution, it still needs to be acceptable. Uh, so you often have to walk users through. And I think a really good example of that is uh, iOS. When it first came out, a lot of the design was skeuomorphism where the design of the app or whatever looked and reflected like something in real life. So buttons looked like they actually indented when you click them. Uh, switches were like light switches. Uh, the, the, notepad the notepad was yeah. like paper. And that helped people adopt this new system of using this iOS. And then now we're Which all Johnny used to that. Hated. Right. So we can get rid of all that. And uh, we're still, we know how to use it. Right. Because we've learned. Okay. So what's the question here? If we agree with it? My question is, how do marketers take this ideology and apply it to their job? I've got an answer. I think um, talking just on like a content or campaign level is you can look at something that's popular in a different industry or vein, you know, what whether it's like, let's take, you know, um, BuzzFeed articles, you know, 20, 20 things that you need to do to um, like take those quizzes, you know, and it's like, hey, take this quiz, find out what's you build a sandwich and you now know your personality type. So you can take that and put it in a different venue and say, oh, there we go. Is that better? Yeah, that's way better. Okay. So take that and put it in a different venue with, say, a client you have or your company. So for Dev Mountain, you know, um, pick your fit t- top 10 favorite apps or programs and find out what type of coder you are. So you take something that's existing and then you pull it into your realm or wherever you're trying to market and you can make something that's familiar to someone, but it's also new in your market. Okay. Yeah. Max, you had an example? Yeah, yeah. I'm So I'm working on this project. Uh, it's actually for Nicent Floor's uh, holiday campaign. And uh, it's kind of weird and really different. And I found that uh, when I explain it to somebody for the first time, if instead of just saying what the idea is, there is something else that exists that is part of what we're doing. And it's way better if I say, you know this thing that everyone knows, right? And they're like, okay, yeah, I know that. So now they're, they have like an anchor point in their mind. And I, then I can build on that. Whereas sometimes if I just go straight into what I'm doing without giving them that reference point, it's really hard for them to like understand and grasp what it is I'm trying to say uh, and get the idea of where I'm going with this campaign. Um, but if I use that that stepping stone, it really helps them get to the level that I need them to be at. Okay. I think that's great. So Maya, most acceptable yet most advanced. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Most advanced yet acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next thing. Brandon, what was that? Uh, the uh, paradigm shift towards digital jobs. This is something that was interesting. So digital business found that 77% of companies consider missing digital skills as the key hurdle to their digital transformation in this age. And so they brought up another stat that the United Kingdom, for instance, 36% um, higher wages are going to digitally skilled workers. And CEOs that engage in social platforms are five times more relevant than those who don't. What does that, what does relevant mean? I would, uh, it doesn't break it out in the article, but I would assume it's relevant in people know about them, their company, and what they do. Hmm. 
Can you tell me again what this article is about? So it's just talking pretty much that there's a big demand for digitally skilled workers, especially in terms of like SEO, social media, all these types of things. Okay. And there's a huge need for it, and they're trying to fill it. Low supply. Yeah. Okay. So the topic the topic we're pulling out here is there's a ton of demand for digital marketers. Okay. Content marketers. Yep. Yep. What do you – do you guys have a hard Can, time? I feel like – because I'm trying to fill positions in my job uh-huh. and in my, on my team. It's really hard. Yeah. There, like there aren't enough people to fill who are qualified. I mean, entry level, easy. Very, sure. very easy. Sure. Why is that? There are plenty of people in digital marketing, especially in Utah. There's just a lot of jobs. There, there are a lot of open positions. I mean, um, you look at any like digital marketing group and job boards, and there are jobs going up every single day. Uh, and a lot of them go unfilled for a, a long period of time. Is that so. because people aren't applying or because uh, expectations are, are too high and they're just not finding the people they're looking for? Um, like, do you think that people are satisfied in their current job in digital? Cause typically, yeah, l- l- let's specify, let's go into a little bit more of a senior position, right? Okay. Let's take entry level out. Okay. So you're hiring existing digital marketers who have experience already. Are you having, are you having a hard time finding people to fill those spots, those, those jobs at a, mm. at a more senior level? Or is that even something you deal with? Um, you you know I, I'm not having. It's hard. I don't hire uh, more senior level positions from the outside very often. Um, although I interview a lot, and I I don't have a hard time getting people interviewed, but I do have a really hard time finding someone that I think would be a good fit. And it's almost always easier for me to just promote from within. Uh, and so most of my hires are entry level, and they kind of work their way up at nice up floor, which we've already agreed that finding entry level people is really easy and it has mm-hmm. been easy for us. Yeah. Um, and so it's hard. I don't, I don't know that I'm the best person to ask cause, cause I really just don't hire a whole lot of senior level people from outside. What about you, Brandon? Are you, are you guys, hi- do you hire like you have open positions? I know you have hiring experience. Um, within our marketing department. Yeah. We were about to do some more hires, but we're, you know, growing a lot slower, like in terms of our marketing team than like a Vivint yeah. or a 97th floor. But um, it is tough, like especially when you get into the social realm, uh, every company recognizes that there's mm. a huge opportunity to win in social. Most companies don't know how to yeah. win or, yeah. or what yeah. winning means. And I, I feel like there are more than enough people who want to be your social slash content person. The problem is, is they don't uh, like, yes, they're, they, they sit on Facebook all day. They understand Twitter. They understand what's cool and what's not cool, but they don't know how to tie that back to how do we elevate your brand? How do we drive more dollars Totally agree to the profit? And that's tough. I think for someone in my position to where you're one, like unless you are a, a, a super social savvy person you i think most people just look at how good are you at getting more likes to our facebook page and getting more followers on instagram i don't know how that's going to convert to dollars but everyone else is telling me that we need to be on social so uh we need someone to come in and start scheduling posts 
And I think that's a lot of social jobs, but the demand is so much more than that. And I don't think colleges are training uh, in that. And it's very tough to train because social, I feel is a lot of psychology and how people are thinking. Uh, it's not like SEO where it's very technical and algorithm uh, social moves faster than anything else. I think just because there's so much psychology involved and that's yeah. very difficult to get someone who has that, that tech, that tech savvy creative plus they understand how do humans think? Yeah. I, I think social media, pe- most people see it uh, in the wrong way. Uh, like social media should be a fulfillment arm. So you have a content marketer who's doing all that, that psychoanalysis and market research and, and personas. And then they create a campaign that they themselves kind of use social to, to speak to those people specifically. When someone says, I'm a social media marketer, yeah, the first thing I think of is, okay, you're unemployed. You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in your experience, Paxton, I remember yeah. early on when I was at 97th Floor, we didn't really offer social media services. And one of the concerns, and I, I, I still feel like this is true today, companies recognize that social is important, but they're mm-hmm. not willing to fork yeah, yeah. out the cash for that because they still associate it with, well, I could get my nephew right. to run our Facebook and so that's, I think that's the other problem is there are people out there who are really good at social and know how to do a lot of growth hacking within these platforms, but they want a lot of money and companies say, yeah, yeah social is important, but we could but get not, a guy for 40 K well, a year. I think, not that important. I think the problem is like social media is a really awesome thing to reveal when brands have no idea what their audience or who their market is or what they care about. Um, and uh, that's what's required to be really great at social media is knowing your audience super intimately um, to the point where, like, you can just talk to them like a human, you know. Uh, JetBlue does this really well. Wendy's does this really well. And, uh, like, Wendy's knows their target audience. They know that they're the kind of people who uh, want to eat fast food at 1130 at night. So they are open late, and they talk like they talk to those people on Twitter. Um and the only way you can know that so well, I feel, is by being in the walls of that company and that organization and taking the time to know that market. And I don't know that someone can accomplish that as a third-party agency or consultant, frankly, and do a really good job. So that's why that's why we don't like to take on social media projects is we, we don't know that we can ever be intimate enough with their audience to really pull social media off the or, way it should Or at be. least the onboarding would just take so long that the value yeah. isn't necessarily there immediately. Sure. Sure. But I want to bring up, and I want to pose this question to you guys. It kind of bring it talks about CEOs don't realize not being on social themselves is harming their company's abilities to succeed. Even though social CEOs are forty six percent more influential than their non social peers, so I want to know: Do you think it actually pays to be a social CEO? Does it help your company? You mean like as representing the company as CEO? Yeah, so let's Active say you, you owned Vivint, you know, and you're out there being social. Do you think that's doing your company um, better than if you weren't at all? Oh, I think it depends on how well you do it. I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're like, you know, what, a, yeah. white suprem- a white supremacist, <laughs> it probably won't help out. I, what do you guys think yeah. about pizza? Like, in terms of, like, big chain pizza places. Domino's. You like Domino's? Oh, is that oh, what you're asking? What are, I don't know what you're asking. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, well, which pizza example. do you go buy? Like, you're a Domino's guy? No. I'm no, a, I'm actually never a Domino's guy. I'm uh, a P. John's. I'm a yeah. Papa John's. I'm a Fiore guy. 
I'm, right. I'm talking chains here. Pizza Hut, Domino's, Papa right. John's. Money bags. Get out of here. <laughs> Who else? Well, I'm just like. Little Caesars. That's uh, another Little Caesars. Pizza Hut. I like Pizza Hut. Yeah, I think Pizza Hut is probably mine. Uh, I like Papa John's. Yeah. Better ingredients, better pizza. Okay. But Papa John's. Nice. Papa John's, unlike the other one, like Domino's doesn't have a face really to the company, whereas Papa John's mm, like makes it him. I disagree. His C- like Their CEO became a pretty public figure when that video got released of the kids at, in the Domino's restaurant uh, messing with the pizzas. Remember that? That's right when they came out with like, we're redoing our sauce, we're redoing our bread, our seasoning's different. And he was the face of that whole recovery. Now, granted, it wasn't a it was a reactive move rather than mm-hmm. a, a, an active yeah. strategy. But I think a lot of people came out knowing who he is. Now, I, I do agree that Papa John's CEO is much more public, and like you'd know his face. Yeah. Is, well, what I was going to bring up is, is was that Papa. What is John something? It's the Papa. Let me. Check I used to out. always think it was John Shatner, but it's John like Shoutner. Here's the thing, like though. I, <laughs> Papa John this Shatner. is different though I, this is different from like an act like being active socially and yeah, active John within a community Shatner. yeah his face is just kind of plastered on a bunch of stuff it's kind of like uh uh Dave uh from Wendy's you know mm-hmm. like he was in the commercials and his face was plastered on stuff how active he was socially I mean social media exists at the time but like how active he was in the community at large I don't know but John you're asking more in like the Rand Fishkin to Maz where yeah. he's not the face of the company but he's very active and closely associated with the company yeah. so you're wondering if by doing that Maz has more success mm-hmm. absolutely yeah absolutely they do I mean this is like a Todd Peterson versus uh Ryan Smith yeah kind of I mean, neither one of them. Or even Josh James. Josh James, I think, is pretty out there. So Josh James, yeah, Ryan Smith is pretty out there. I mean, he hosts the the Qualtrics Insight Summit, so he's out there. And Todd is like... He's a recluse. Like, you never see him. Yeah, you don't. doesn't do anything. I've seen him twice in the 14 months I've lived. lived. I I freaking live at work. So what I was going to bring up, and I guess this ties along, with Papa John's, uh, I don't have the articles in front of me. This was years ago that I've read, but there's been focus groups done where a lot of people don't like Papa John's like they don't like the way his it smile tastes. is oh <laughs> I'm talking about like him like yeah like uh t- like a b testing commercials with and without him and uh just like him as a person some people just yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. click with like he feels like a robot almost and then so taking that and then looking at let's say you have a CEO you are opening yourself up to a lot of potential issues so are there like, should you look at yourself and say, am I a public person? Like, do I need to, you like, know, would I be good to be out there? Like my personality, because I don't think just because you're a CEO, you should be like, I got to be out there because I, I got to relate to the people. But at the same time, you could, it could backfire because you are such an awkward person. Or maybe you have like a lot of uh, political views that a lot of people disagree with. And so you build up this name, but then you start going on these Twitter rants. Or you're a total douchebag <laughs> like uh, Uber CEO and you sure. completely tank the company. Yeah. How, how, sure. how about this as, a, as an example? Shane Company. Uh, your friend in the diamond business. That's right. So he's on Shane the radio. Co. The jewelry all, business now. All the time. Oh, is it? Yeah, it changed. It changed over Expanding. a year ago. Here's the thing. Like you do open yourself up to a lot of hate. And let's pretend, just for sake of argument, that the person can avoid being an Uber-level CEO, right? Like, let's just say they handle it decently, at least, if not well. Uh, I think that you do open yourself to being disliked because some people will just dislike you based off of your face and just who you are. 
But I think on the other end, you open yourself up to being liked even more by some people who do like you. Uh, whereas when you're nothing, you're just kind of nothing to everyone. I think it's better to find some people who will really love you and just be personable and put a face to your company and let them be your advocates and your champions as opposed to just being nothing to everyone. Yeah, but you guys don't think that it's like no matter what, the CEO should be more public. I think it's almost almost always a better move to have the CEO be a public figure. Hmm. It's nice to have a face to a brand. So I, I 100% agree with that. But if the CEO is this really awkward, like, dude, doesn't Tim match, Cook, dude, Tim, that, I, that's an awkward dude. I, but he matches the brand. That's what I'm saying is, 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 is if awkward or nerdy matches the brand, then it's great. Uh-huh. But if, if you have this, like, imagine Dollar Shave Club and some, like, wiry old man comes, like, creaking out on a cane and he's just like, buy my razors because we're the best in the business. Like I think that I think people I, might buy them. Like, no, 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 no. Dude, okay, dude, blood like, tech. Social, no, like totally. YouTube no stars work because they, a lot of them are just someone who puts themselves out there and they're not ashamed of who they are and they're just going to be themselves. Yeah, but that person and people love that matches the brand. That's what I'm saying is the CEO, if they're a public figure, should match the brand. And if they don't, then I think it clashes. Did you th- say if they don't match the brand, they shouldn't be the CEO in the first place? Absolutely, I, not. I think no that way. the CEO no, they should, they should, no, the, the will C- match the brand because they are the C- they created it. No, because so Dollar no. Shave Club wouldn't be what okay. it is if it okay. was a crotchety old man. Here's the thing, though: is CEOs swap out. You don't have the CEO the whole time. You've got a it's guy true. who starts mm-hmm. the company who may match the brand, and then he retires, and they hire someone else who has good business sense and knows the next steps to take the business further, but 180 degrees does not match the brand. They should not come out and be public. Uh, I think, one, there's room for the brand to pivot, so that's not always true. Two, I think you can continue to ride off of the face of the old CEO, like a la Moss. Uh, unless he you dies, know. right? If someone dies, like when Dave well, died, no, they, Dave, stopped, they stopped no, using him. They still, they still like invoked Dave after he died. They didn't have video mm-hmm. and stuff of him, but they had his face and his name on stuff. And every Wendy's you go into, it's like we do it Dave's way, yeah. that kind of stuff. Well, I think that's okay. It I, is his way. I think uh, they have a patent on square patties. Right? <laughs> they don't true. cut corners down there at Wendy's. <laughs> that's right. I think it, the Russian impact greatly them. depends on the size of the company. I think it's a lot more important for a CEO of a startup or small, oh, medium-sized 100%, business yes. to be very public. Yep. Whereas nobody, like if the KFC CEO decided to start getting active on social, um, no one's going to care. And it's not going to make a difference in whether or not people go to KFC unless he starts rambling off a bunch of I, There's still I, an I, opportunity, though. If he's like, yeah. if, if I, he was a funny guy yeah, there's opportunity. like him, you know, then that would be... A missed opportunity if he wasn't. Vocal. Yeah, I agree. I think it's when the CEO is the entrepreneur of the company. Uh, that comp like you, sh- like the company is you, and and that's like that is your life. And so I think they already wear that on their sleeves. And I think of all the successful startups, and it's always startup founders who live and breathe what they do. And even when they're not at work, they're always talking about what they do because that is their yeah. life. And yeah. so they represent their brand, even though they're not sitting behind the desk or writing out emails, people get to know that person. They build a relationship and Oh, by the way, yeah, they do this. So if I ever buy guitars, I'm going to this guy because yeah. 
he just like I can tell he lives and breathes guitars. So my my brother owns this little company that does um uh Animation. animations and uh for a long time you didn't know who the CEO of this company was. It was just the brand and the website and stuff about the company. Uh and I encouraged him to be more public about himself and who he was and be louder himself and he started writing these blogs about how he took his family across the country over 4 months and he just worked from Airbnbs and and on the road and uh Traffic shot up like crazy, and he got more in business because now they know him, and they want to buy from him. Uh, I do think it's possible for someone to take over and it still be about them. Like, imagine if Johnny Ive were to take over uh, Apple. I think it'd be totally cool for him to slightly tweak the brand to be more Johnny Ives, and uh, for him to continue to be loud and social and to be his his company. You know, that's funny. I, and I, I think, think Johnny Ive matches the brand more than. Yeah, more than uh, I agree, and that's kind of why I, that's why I picked him. I think just what you're talking about, people are able to connect to your brother rather than just this, you know, ominous company that makes animation videos, and they connected to his story. That's really cool. He's out traveling the world with his family and still running a business, and they could connect to that. And I think that's resonated yeah. with people. Okay, yeah. so if you own a business and you're the CEO, then be more public, and you'll get more traffic. Okay, let's move on to Mickey Mouse. Before we get there, actually, I want to. Uh, Test you guys to see if you heard this. Google is up to renew its contract with Apple for exclusive mm-hmm. rights to mm-hmm. iOS. Does anyone know how much they paid for that? Yes. Brandon? Wait, Google's... Google, as the default search engine on iOS, how much did they pay to claim that spot? Like they're already the default? So they are, yeah. Yes. Oh, wasn't it Bing? No. With... Like nope. Siri, if I did a search, it would always pull up Bing. Well, that's because you probably changed your settings to be Bing. But the default is Google. So Google. And they paid for that. So I'll tell you this. The last time it came up, and I don't know if this is a yearly thing, but the last time it came up, Google paid $1 billion to be the default search engine on iOS. It has now been renewed. The question is, how much did they pay this time around? <clears throat> they paid $1 billion last time? Yep. And that was a year ago? I, d- I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna guess three point nine billion. John, uh, somewhere between two to three billion. Paxton, ten two, billion. Two point six. I thought you said you knew. It's not ten. No. Oh, what is it? It's three. Ah, oh, three. I thought it was ten billion. No, three billion. Hmm. Uh, three billion dollars. That's huge. That's so much money. And the article was talking about how. This is like the best thing. This is like the best business deal for Apple because it's 100% profit. Yeah. $3 billion. All they do is click a couple buttons and boom, Google is default. It's also easier for Apple that Google is probably the most preferred uh, search engine anyway. Yeah. It actually yeah. might end up costing Apple if Bing were to outbid Google. Oh, yeah. Then Apple would be like, oh, actually, I think I'd still rather stick with Google. Because all of our users would rather. I don't Google. know. Well, by default, I mean if they make they it easy go to in switch, switch, right? Yeah, you're right. Anyway, okay. So let's talk Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. Wait, wait, wait. Can I tell something really quick? Yeah. Really quick. Uh, one of our websites. You may have seen this. Uh, our clients. They're still on a non-secured website. Just got a warning from Google that if they don't switch to secure, then any pages that have a form on them will issue a warning to their users that. The information in that form is unsecure. Meaning on the SERP? No, on the website itself. 
How can Google influence in the, what the website? In the browser. Oh, the, so Chrome. Yeah, I believe so. It'd be, it'd Actually, I don't know. It's not in the SERP. It, I don't know if it's in the SERP or not, but I'm... If it's not I in the SERP, it's, it's got to be, be in the browser. Yeah. Yep. So switch to secure, everyone. By October this year. Yeah, well, we're already secure. Good. I push, I push that initiative. Some things are going to happen. Is Dev Mountain secure? <laughs> uh, yep. That's good. They better be. Uh, I love that. Okay. <laughs> so is this slightly deceptive? Are we actually talking about Mickey Mouse? Or are we talking about... Mickey Mouse is the face, the brand of Disney. The CEO. Yes. Practically the CEO. Who is the CEO of Disney? Um, That's a good question. Mike, what? Walt Disney? Something? Walt, Walt Disney. I was actually just looking up who plays the voice of Mickey Mouse. It's um, very interesting. I think they've gone through about four guys. Bob Iger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, dude. That dude does so many voices. Do you know who does the voice of Eeyore? No. The same guy who does Optimus Prime. Mm. Really? Wait, yep. that's not also Winnie the Pooh? No. Uh, speaking of voices, uh, Wait, what are we talking about? Mickey, yeah, Mouse. Mickey Mouse. Random fact here, though, because you guys are going to find this interesting. I learned this on today. I learned and read it. Order. Some, Seth MacFarlane. Some, someday we'll get to Mickey Mouse. We're talking voices, right? Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Seth MacFarlane, Family Guy, right. voice of Peter, and he, like half Brian, of the other ones. He was scheduled Stewart. to be Stewie. on a flight to New York City uh, on September 11th, but had such a bad hangover the night before that he missed his flight. And that plane was one of the planes that flew into uh, one of the World Trade Towers. So his hangover saved his life. So we were that close to not to having, not having family, guy. family guy. So the moral of the story is drink a yes. lot of alcohol. You know, it's, Drinking it's saves flight. lives. It's smart of him to have not said anything for the past 10 years about that. I think uh, I would have rubbed some people wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I learned about it on Reddit and Wikipedia. Anyway, back to Mickey Mouse. John, take it away. So Disney acquired BamTech, the digital media company spun off from MLB Advanced Media, and they are a streaming service that had uh, worked mostly with baseball and some NHL, but Disney just acquired them and is going to offer an ESPN-branded multi-sport video streaming service Starting in early 2018. And it's going to be the uh, the uh, impetus for what they're going to do once they leave Netflix. Yes. This came so, shortly after oh Disney boy. announced their breakup with Netflix. Screw them, man. Screw them. Disney? They start their own service. Yeah. Why? Because you want to be on Netflix and not have to pay extra for Disney shows? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I want to watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. That's what my kid lives on, on. And we watch tons of stuff on Netflix, too. If we it was just a Disney one, it'd basically be just my kid watching that, and then I if I want to watch something, I would still have to pay for Netflix. Yep, just screw them. Yep, cable cable companies are back in just a different form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I watch Star Wars, mm. clone the Clone Wars series, the animation series. That's the only thing I watch. Really, that's it. I watch it with my kids. It's probably too scary for them. Uh, you ever seen Sarah and Duck? No. Ugh, cannot recommend it more. Sarah and Duck, children's show. My kid loves it, but I think I love it more than he does. It's Sarah and Duck. Sarah and, and Duck. And it's on Netflix? Yeah. 
it's just like i feel like you should be embarrassed or something oh i am it is embarrassing that i love this show but it's just so calming it's uh it's it's european so you get that and uh it's just you know the animation's fun yeah there's a big moon character in it and he's like hello sarah hello doc okay it's like all right enough of that (laughs) okay so disney is creating their own streaming Mm -hmm. they've broke up with wait when's the last day with netflix I need to get my Clone Wars in. Well, actually, Rebel. I think they're what's officially moving is all of the Disney cartoons and stuff like that. But the Star Wars and I think Avengers stuff is still staying. Oh, at least for the foreseeable future. Interesting. I'm sure at some point it will leave. Yeah, I think like 2018 is when their contract is done. So January. I don't know when. Okay. That year. Well, yeah, that's kind of lame, huh? Yep. Okay. Big blow. So net, uh, Netflix stocks sell, sell, sell. <laughs> so clarification, Netflix will continue to offer Disney movies from now until the end of 2019. Oh, fact checker in the house. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, <laughs> that means that Paxton's kid will be old enough to move on to we can watch more that. hardcore stuff. Yeah. Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. <laughs> no limits. Or is it no, no reservations? No reservations. <laughs> okay. That's the end of the episode. That was a good first episode. That was a great first episode. I want to uh I want to send a shout out. Did you guys like the new intro music? That yep. was the first time Paxton had heard it. Good stuff. A like really it. a really good friend of mine, Sean South, produced that music for me. Big shout out to Sean. I love it. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to leave a review on iTunes or any other podcasting platform that you use. Remember, folks, that the only way to marketing peace is to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus.